I did not picture the rest of my life not walking. What I did was I felt that I was going to walk again. I didn't know how. That was what I needed to find out, the how. Not the am I? Because if there's any possibility of something happening towards that I can, then I'm going to find the possibility. And the possibility is the path or the how. So right now, what I need to sort of say to myself, and not just say to myself, I felt it. I knew that I was going to walk again. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. You love the audio format because you listen to podcasts. I'm a massive fan of learning through audio courses and books. What I particularly like about Knowable is that courses are short form, like a podcast, and expert led, like an audio book, with courses on leadership from the commander of the International Space Station and on startups from the co-founder of Reddit. Grab yourself 20% off with coupon code GAVIN, in capital letters, G-A-V-I-N, which brings the price down to just over $3 a month. It's a no-brainer. Download the Knowable app or visit knowable.fyi. Use code GAVIN to get 20% off. Hey, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different. This is a story of inspiration. It's a story of um, an injury, an accident that became a stroke and paralysis of a young lady that was determined um, to have a professional football career and a story of recovery, of collaboration, of community that has actually been the genesis of the building and development of a brand new tutoring platform to bring students in contact with tutors for various different skills that they need to enhance their um, to, to enhance their opportunities in the world of work and the world of business. So I wanted to bring Alejandra Karina Garzo, Garzo Alejandra Karina Garzo, onto the podcast because it's a powerful and inspirational stories. As I'll say in the introduction, you know, human beings were moved by stories and uh, stories evoke emotions and hopefully this one will bring out in you a level of determination and uh, renewed gratitude for the people around you that help you to achieve what you do on a daily weekly and monthly basis hello welcome to the business mastermind podcasts it's the stories in life that move us as human beings and it's the emotion that we do, that we invoke in ourselves and others that actually creates transformation, it creates innovation, and it creates progress. And today, I'm really delighted to have Alejandra Carino Garzo join me on the Business Mastermind podcast. This is a story of determination, one of a a, 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 a totally unexpected illness that left her um, paralyzed. A story of determination and a story of love and collaboration which uh, and an importance of community that out of which has developed a real desire to found a new marketplace a new app that will connect teachers and students together across the world and to provide extra tuition uh, when needed on most in a way that's easily accessible over a smartphone or tablet so Alejandra welcome to the business mastermind podcast Hello, Gavin. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that introduction. <laughs> that was 
That was such a nice introduction. And uh, um, yeah, I'm very honored to be here in your podcast. So um, let's, I'd like you to introduce yourself, um, but I want you to introduce yourself by telling your story and then we'll kind of fill in some of the gaps as well. So um, yeah, the mic is yours. Tell your story. Um, yeah, well, sometimes I don't really know where to begin. Um, it, um, I guess the best way to start is from where, where I was originally, where my life was uh, kind of uh, steering me towards or the ambitions I had before. Um, so from when I was a very, very young person, <laughs> when I was a little girl, um, I've always wanted to be a footballer. I started, so I'm originally from Colombia, so I started uh, playing the streets of Colombia with my older brother. I have a lovely older brother who, um, who was one of those people who uh, would be the first one to pick me in the teams and would be the first one to, um, at the time, well, there weren't any female football teams or academies, so he would always take me with him and say, like, no, it's okay to have my little sister uh, in, in my team, which is brilliant, which is... Uh, I'm very grateful for that, for having that support. Um, so growing up, um, I always wanted to play football. And that's something that wherever I went, I tried to find a team. And the last team that I was playing for is um, was Bournemouth University. And I was playing for the varsity team. And um, before then, I played in other teams. And all of this was part of a process that um, was my life ambition to become this uh footballer and it's uh determined and um in in whatever team I wanted to be in I always wanted to uh, find a way to kind of move to the next step move to the next level and um with that in mind I also push myself quite a bit on the conditioning side and um sometimes um I guess um from you know that determination that you have mixed with maybe lack of knowledge in your youth um, you forget to rest. And that's something that happened to me. Um, I, I wasn't resting enough for the amount of exercise that I was doing for um, the, the amount of movement my body was having. And, uh, and, and, and football in itself is quite demanding physically. Um, but um, so after a few years of keeping on, on going, I started getting some back injuries and I kept on going. <laughs> With I, I remember I once played a game um, after I just had a sciatic crisis or something like that. Oh, wow. uh, I I couldn't and I and I couldn't stop in in between my sprints. I had to keep on like jogging because if I had stopped, I wouldn't have been able to carry on. And um, I, I now hearing myself, I know that that's not something that I should have done. But sometimes when you have this uh, determination to do something that is so it's such a passion of yours since you were quite young it's easy to kind of continue doing things like that but I think life just had to teach me a lesson and I learned a lot through that whether it was teamwork whether it was um, discipline because you have to sort of wake up I remember in America when I was playing in a university there um, our conditioning trainer was an ex-navy seal and <laughs> Uh, yeah. and we had to get to our conditioning at five it started at five so we had to get there before five and if anyone in our team was not present we all had to kind of you know you know like pay for it <laughs> but it was just because it, it had it was a way of teaching us that 
we're all responsible for each other as a team. It's not about the individual, I was here. No, it's about, okay, how do we make sure that the whole team is here? So those aspects of football are very, I think they've stayed with me and that's very important. And they're, they're key things for the game and for many aspects of life, really. Um, uh, but then with all of these um, years of pushing my body, um, I ended up, um, before my final year of university, I ended up having um, uh, kind of the last straw of my back and I was in the hospital for about a month. Um, I was in a wheelchair because one day I literally, it wasn't even during training, I literally just could not stand up. And I was in a hospital for about a month. Um, and then I wanted to, again, come back and do university, do my final year. And even though I was in a wheelchair, even though I was on like 20 odd pills of medication, which I do not recommend to anyone. Um, so what happened? You, you damaged your you damaged your back, had you through um, uh, ex excessive uh, well training? Yes. Yes, I damaged my back. I used to lift weights that were, since I was very young, I started weightlifting since I was about 12. And sometimes when I, I remember when I was 17, I was um, lifting my trainer, it was very heavy. Wow. Back, going up the stairs, running, like these things. Because Whoa. Was, yeah, the, the, I, was, I was pushing my body quite a bit. And sometimes I was- As your body was still growing and developing. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, I mean, sometimes there's determination, sometimes there's lack of knowledge in the, in the different things that you do. Um, I don't regret anything that I did because it led me to the point where I am. And I think there were lessons to be learned there. Um, yeah, definitely. And um, So you went back to training after you had the, first, the, the month in hospital? Um, no, after I had the month in the hospital, I, went, I was still in the wheelchair, right? right. After month, uh, I couldn't walk properly. And the doctors, I actually went to the spinal hospital and the surgeons, they told me, you're back too bad you're too young we can't really do anything about it um there isn't really a solution for it and um it's um anything that we suggest could actually cause more damage than actually heal it um so at that point they kind of just uh, sent me home with a lot of medication i was in medication that was definitely not good it was things that were very very strong for me like um opiates and these sort of things that i definitely well from my point of view, and that's just like my personal perspective, um, because I'm a medical professional, but um, I'll, I wouldn't recommend people going on um, on such heart medication and so much amount. Oh, I know. I had, um, uh, in 2015, I had a big eye injury, actually, and I was put on tramadol for the first time in my life. And uh, um, yeah, I remember the very first time I took it and uh, I'd never had any medication of that strength before. And I went to have a lie down and I ended up having um, breakfast with Princess Diana. I was hallucinating that. And I had lunch with uh, Sir Richard Branson. And um, But I remember, yes, it it obviously dealt with what I was experiencing was really bad pain because I nearly lost my right eye. Um, but um, the the doctors, the surgeons were really, really careful about the limits of how much dosage they gave me and weaned me off it as quick as they could before I got addicted because I know a lot of people do. So it's incredibly, incredibly powerful stuff. Um and yeah, I wasn't myself when I was taking it and the, not to the level of you do, but I carried on working at the time. And so there was some interesting behavioral things that came out of me working with massive sleep deprivation because I had to wake up 
every hour or at some stage every half hour to put eye drops on to, to get rid of the infection out of my eye and save my eye uh, and carry on working and on tramadol. So yeah, that was, that was interesting. So I can relate to what you mean about strong opiates by way of medication. And, so, so again, sorry. Your eyes look right now. Yeah. yeah, I had to have a what's called a corneal corneal a corneal graft, um, so a replacement cornea uh, on my eye. Uh, it was a silly it was a silly thing actually that happened. I was taking out a contact lens and um, I scratched my eyeball in doing it, and I got an, I went through the tube in London the next day, and I then got an infection in my eye, and it very quickly went very very bad, and um, so they had they, we we. We saved the eye, thankfully. It got to what point, point one of a millimeter of thickness. So uh, it was very, very lucky. I couldn't bend down to pick up my little boy. I only had one boy at the time. I couldn't bend down to pick up my little boy. I couldn't pick up a briefcase. I know we're going to talk about how family helped and supported, but you know, my my dad just drove me around, drove me around the country to literally carry my suitcase and my briefcase and and and, and help me while I carried on working and delivering, um, you know, coaching and training. So, yes, um, that was my one experience of tramadol and hopefully the experience of tramadol but i understand what you mean about that that level of determination so you came out of hospital you had a, a, a very strong cocktail of opiate based medication and presumably you then started physio um yeah so i started doing hydrotherapy and i actually started my final year of university as well wow. so i i was my mom actually she was in colombia at the time and she flew over to take care of me and um, I'll just give you a brief example. I don't know if it's just brief, but of how my day looked when I started university. I would try to dip myself up to the shower because I stayed in the ground floor. It was next to the kitchen. It was next to a small um, toilet. But it- so you're, you, you've got no movement of your legs. You can't walk. No, at that point with uh, with uh, back injury, I couldn't I couldn't step on it. I couldn't I couldn't walk it properly. Not actually, not even properly. Every time I stepped on it, um, I felt the nerve on the sole of my foot, wow. and as well, my back was not having any pressure on it. As well, it was very inflamed. It was it was definitely not doing well at all. And I, I was in a wheelchair at the time, so um, so I would try to dip my way up, upstairs to the shower. And then come back down. My mom will push me to the to the university, which was about ten minutes away. Um, so we would go, and it wasn't fun when it was uh, raining. No, <laughs> but yeah, so my my mom would push me to the university. I would do university with this cocktail of opiates. The way I saw my teachers, if I could explain it in a way, is if you go to I don't know if they still have it. But to these small uh, little like uh, convenience stores type thing, they have this mirrors at the top that they are, they look like you're looking through a magnifying glass, but the other way around and everything's out. That's how I saw my teachers in class. That's the only way I can explain it. And whenever they talked everything, I was just so out of it. and uh, with that as well, as soon as I finished, there was an ambulance waiting for me outside of the university to take wow. me to my hydrotherapy, which was like two, three hours away. Um, and then I would do my hydrotherapy or whatever th- therapy I had. And then I would come back um, around 10, 11 sometimes to, to my house and start my university work. Um, I couldn't sleep because of the pain. I couldn't, even though I was in all that cocktail of medicine, I still had pain. I still didn't have very much movement. And I was, I was very tired from everything from that day. That was one day. 
you'd multiply that by every day, um, especially in a final year of university, it's quite heavy. Three weeks after my university started, uh, on the last day, on the third day, uh, um, I mean, on the third week, that Friday, I, I realized something I just kind of, in, in my head, um, we were, um, I, was, I was with my friend, my friend came over to uh, cook some Colombian dinner with my mom, we were having fun, all of that, um, and at that moment I realized I'm tired, all of this is happening, but I guess this is how my life is going to have to be for the next year, at least when I finish university, or while I finish university. <clears throat> At that moment, somehow I managed to relax. And at that moment was when everything started going wrong. I told my mom, my tummy is burning. Like, I don't know what's happening. My tummy is burning. We first thought it was a medication that I didn't put uh, food in me. But then I realized that the medication that I had didn't, didn't actually cause that. And that I have had other medication before that was much stronger without something in my tummy. And it was all right. Um, and then I started um, not being able to breathe. So I started feeling asphyxiated. I had gone, so my mom would take me uh, with a civil chair to the kitchen because it was right next door. So she actually started um, uh, rolling me back to, to, my, to my bedroom and putting me next to the bed. And uh, my friend and my mom were freaking out. Well, freaking out in the calmest way, really. <laughs> it was very blurry to me at points, but um, these I've talked about this with my mom quite a few times. And um, so afterwards I started not being able to breathe. So I, um, and so my mom would put, put me in the, um, put me on my bed and lifted my, my legs up because she said, well, that might help you to breathe. That made me feel even worse. I just felt like I could not breathe at all. So she sat me down again and I started um, convulsing. So my whole body started shaking. And um, my mom was saying that I was slurring my words. I thought I was leaning against her, but she said I was uh, banging my head against hers because she was on this side, on the right, on my right side. And then I started telling my mom uh, that I couldn't feel my extremities. So she started massaging my right side, but my left side completely dropped. And um, I was still convulsing and all of this was happening. Um, I was- were you, were you having a stroke at this stage? Yeah, so this is, this is and it was literally at the moment when I realized I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just ride through this year because that was a moment of relaxation. And actually the, the doctors explained that to me. My body saw an opportunity to reboot, like my brain saw an opportunity to reboot because it saw an opportunity of you're calm. This is the moment to do that. So with everything that was happening at that moment, so um, the ambulances were called, uh, what, the first one came and the, the, um, the medical professional, he, he well, the, the ambulance person, I don't know what they're called, sorry. Uh, yeah, the paramedic, that's it. The paramedic. So the, there were two stages of paramedics that, that came. The first one was just uh, with a small car. And some of these things that I'm telling you are actually filled in as well from what I sure. saw. <laughs> sure. So, um, the first one just came and gave me gas. I remember he was asking me questions that at the time I thought, why are you asking me this? It's like, so what do you do in university? How are you doing? Oh, like things like, how's it going? And I'm like, I'm not doing very well. Why are you? Asking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then I, I, I was told afterwards that this is probably to actually um, make sure that I stayed awake, that mm -hmm. I kind of sad or anything. And he gave me gas to uh, help me relax, and it, it allowed me to relax my body. And the convuls the convulsing kind of uh, lessened, and all these other symptoms or not into all these other things that were happening to my body kind of like come down a little bit. 
Um, and then a bigger ambulance came and they took me to the hospital. And when I, when I eventually woke up uh, in the hospital the next morning, I don't know, it was quite early, I think it was like four or five, um, because all of this happened from, started around like 7 p.m. the day before. And then when I woke up after all of this happened at like four or five, um, the whole left side of my, my body was paralyzed. So I couldn't feel it. I couldn't move it. I didn't know what was happening. I was also under a lot of drugs and all these different things. And um, I, I was in the hospital after all of that happened. I was in the hospital for about uh, a month. So perhaps 24, 25 days or almost a month. And um, so I got a lot of tests. Um, uh, very fortunately and um, grateful for that they did CT scans and there were there was no permanent damage in my brain but um, <clears throat> there was the the uh, a couple of specialists came and they diagnosed me with functional neurological disorder which basically is that um, your nervous system <clears throat> your your functional system is not responding to the signals you're sending from your brain to move right so there is a disconnect between the function and the nervous system. And so I would tell my body or my left side to move and it mm -hmm. wouldn't move. However- So it, you would you would literally think about say lifting your left arm and nothing would happen. Yes, yes, exactly. And so part of the therapies at first in, in, the, in the hospital was actually, I mean, now that I think about it, it was actually quite brutal, but I understand exactly why. Um, but uh, brutal, in, it might be a strong word, but it, it was more like things to make me um, react more so than think about the actions that I was doing. So, for example, one of the things they would do was I would have a plastic cup, one of those really thin ones and very mm -hmm. light ones. Mm -hmm. They would take my hand and put the plastic cup on my lap and or sometimes lift it a little bit higher and then start filling the, the cup, right? First of all, it was me trying to grab the cup, but it's quite light. So With your left hand? With my left hand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it, it wouldn't work. Like, my hand was just... Uh, so what happens after you, uh, to the people that get or that have anything to do with uh, functional neurological disorder is that it can, it can have different consequences depending on the person. I was able to, I don't know, if, I, don't, I, I guess if I think about it, it is in a, it was lucky that I was able to kind of relax in that stage where I had the, the sort of mimic of stroke or type of stroke that I had because by being able to relax, um, my body just kind of flopped, whereas mm -hmm. other people tense and then their whole body kind of just goes into a spasm. Right? Okay. That's even more difficult to recover because they first need to make it go back to relaxed and mm -hmm. then strengthening it again. So that would be an extra stage that they would have to recover. So for me, I was already, my body was already like flop, <laughs> like literally. And this whole, the whole left side, I remember this, it was very difficult to start lifting my arm because all of this got a lot of tension because it had to carry the whole weight of, of the arm and the whole body because it was pulling that weight. So I remember I was pulling from this side the whole time to be able to kind of move. Okay. Um, I'm showing you, I don't know. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, yeah. Planetary, but that's that's sort of how um, how it looked. And when they diagnosed me with that, they told me, "Well, we don't know if you're going to be able to recover. We don't because it is even though quite a few people have the have the chance of getting something like this because it's due to stress, and that stress at the time was caused by my um, at the time issue with the back as well as the medication as well as the 
amount of stuff that I was doing and the lack of rest and all of that. So that was the cause of it. It was stress. It was all uh, a point. Of so time. you're obviously it's a very scary time for you. Um, so how old are you at this stage? 20, 21? Uh, I'm 23 at this stage. 23. Um, you're, you've been told you may, well, you may never walk again. What's going through you? Obviously you, you're under a lot of medication and um, what's going through your mind about, you your future your life ahead of you um at the time uh, there were two thoughts i mean one of them was this is not true right this is i am going to walk again i always had it in my heart that i was going to walk again but at the same time in order to get to that stage i also had to acknowledge that i wasn't able to walk Right. I want to unpick that because there's that, that that's so powerful. So you, it was a, a, a heartfelt, a gutful, an intuition that said this is not true. Yeah, if there was any possibility, they said there is a possibility you might not walk again. That means there is a possibility I will walk again. But we already know you were incredibly determined, incredibly kind of like headstrong. But was this the head speaking, or did was this like an inner? intuition or inner knowing that this is not true i it was more than just a determined alejandra yeah i understand yeah it's just um i think for me it was it may it may seem like logic the way I, i've said it but it's actually something that i felt i knew in my heart that i just i did not picture the rest of my life not walking what i did was i felt that i was going to walk again i didn't know how that was what I needed to find out, the how, not the am I? Because if there's any possibility of something happening towards that I can, then I'm going to find the possibility and the possibility is the path or the how. So right now, what I need to sort of say to myself, and not just say to myself, I felt it. I knew that I was going to walk again. Hey, Gavin here. You love the audio format because you listen to podcasts. I'm a massive fan of learning through audio courses and books. What I particularly like about Knowable is that courses are short form, like a podcast, and expert-led, like an audiobook, with courses on leadership from the commander of the International Space Station and on startups from the co-founder of Reddit. Grab yourself 20% off with coupon code GAVIN, in capital letters, G-A-V-I-N, which brings the price down to just over $3 a month. It's a no-brainer. Download the Knowable app or visit knowable.f. YI use code Gavin to get 20% off. Uh, you, you knew that, but also like in the next stage was you had, I guess, the presence of mind to recognize that you had to rest first because your previous strategy for things like this was head down, push harder, be more and more determined. But you, you had a realization that you actually needed to heal to rest first. Yeah. And, and even throughout that recovery, I still wanted to push myself in many ways. And I had to, part of the support that I mentioned with uh, my family because my family and my close friends um, I even made a friend that I'm incredibly grateful um, to have met and I, I don't mind saying her name her name's Julia and I actually met her when I was already like this and we became close by how much she helped me she's been incredible in that because you don't find people that do that really that they don't know you and then they help you so much and i mean i think there are many people that way but I, i'm just very grateful to have had the opportunity to to have been on the other side of being some uh, 
having someone who was able to do that. And um, yeah, but that was, as, as you mentioned, like I have this, or I had this um, kind of way of doing things, of pushing myself. Um, and that was something that was also important that I had that support system because they told me, we know you want to walk, but you need to walk the rest in between. And I, I had to learn that as well, the tough way where all the time they face planted and I was like, I probably need to stop. Um, and that, um, and I'm, I, I did literally face plant because as you try to walk again, it's uh, in between, it's a frustration and a, it, it's very psychological. It's not just physical, this recovery, because I remember the times when um, I was with the walking aids and there were moments when I wanted to take the next step, but my whole body started spazzing. So my head would shift backwards and then my face would pull because it, it has that um, when you have these sort of things that are uh, stroke related, you have these spasms that you get. So when you try to push yourself a bit too hard, your body starts expanding more. So my face would flip like, I don't know how to explain it, which is um. like to the side. And I would push and try to push the next step. And my, my, my leg just wouldn't have it. And I remember there was another exercise that I used to do that. It was um, pedaling, but it was just not not in a bike or anything, just with uh, pedals that you have to be sitting down. And whenever I tried to push from one of, with one of the legs, my entire top body would go forward. Like oh, I was wow. crunch, but I didn't intend that. So my mom had to push me against the 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 wall so that I could kind of try to do the exercise the best way without actually going forward. So it's all these things that mentally you have to kind of stay strong in that I'm going to continue. And all of that also, there's a there's there's pain in between all of that. So it's about going the next step the next time. And at the same time, kind of realizing, okay, I've done a little bit more and that still counts because sometimes it's difficult to see that big progress when you're having those therapies. Um, and also it's very debilitating when you think you're going to do that next step and you can't. Um, so, and as I mentioned, my, my family and my close friends were amazing support there from telling me stop and saying, um, you need to listen to your body to also helping me when I was tired and saying, you can do this, you can push yourself a bit more, whatever it is. So this is physio sessions every day to learn to walk again. To do everything really to do everything to get basically get mobility in your left hand side of your body and yeah so it was from literally having peas or beans or something like that and just kind of learning to to grab that and then kind of shifting from one side to the other yeah those little things to being able to walk again to being able to just even lift your arm you know things like did you did you develop new qualities in your personality in your character such as patience <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, well, I hope I did learn quite a few things. I do think that I've changed. I do think that it has made me more so personality. I think it's maybe, maybe ways of seeing life. The first time I was able to, because I have been able to ride a bike again. First time that I did that, I almost crashed because I could, I, I looked to the side and I, I actually took this bike ride next to the beach. So I'm down in Bournemouth and uh, that was one thing that I wanted to do. I just wanted to be able to walk and breathe that air and be able to kind of enjoy that without being sat in a wheelchair, without all these different things. And the first time that I that I rode that bike, I almost crashed because I closed my eyes to kind of inhale this 
this sort of moment and I was yeah. like oh I need to <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> um and I had to open my eyes and all of that but those moments that you kind of start appreciating even just being able to walk again even able to to kind of open the door I remember opening the doors I, I created this whole trick to open the doors which was to kind of um open because there's a lot of heavy doors around where I live so to open the door then I kind of do like this shimmy thing and then pull myself with the door and then um kind of like pull and flip the the wheelchair and then so that the momentum would push me forward because I was I had a manual wheelchair so I couldn't yeah. really open the door and do all these different things and I remember that I used to also push myself and with the wheelchair you have uh, these gloves that are always yeah, very sure. good so I used to push myself against the wall. And if you go right now, there are marks of my hands there. So it's all these different things that you develop on how to do things differently. For example, I, I, I learned how to tie my shoelaces with one hand. I learned how to play cards with one hand. So I used to put my cards here on my, on, um, I don't know how to call this part, the inside your, of my your, your inside of your elbow, yeah, yeah. Inside of my elbow, I would put my cards there and then kind of just kind of do like this and then flip them to play cards with my with my mom or my friends so you wow. do develop these different skills of kind of okay i can't do this with my two hands as i'm used to let's find creative ways to do this the best way i can um and that's one side so finding ways of of doing things of moving around of dealing with oh i can't see because um i, I don't know how this is gonna sound but i used to have to dodge a lot of I wouldn't be able to see all I would see bumps bumps everywhere because that's, the, that's the, the level that my eyes would go so whenever I needed to kind of say to someone sorry I can't see or I can't so I had to be very like um kind of touch the side of the leg and kind of be like excuse me you know and you have to kind of do those things and be be fine doing those things because or else you're just going to be stuck there like not yeah. being or whatever it is so it's just also finding ways to be fine with that as well to if you needed to ask for help that's another thing I guess that change of my personality I always thought you know I'm going to be able to do this on my own that's not true like I was never going to be able to overcome that on my own I was never going to be able to I'm not saying that people are not able to I just think personally having people there and giving them that value of of um that helps for example um with my family I got closer because um I allowed them to help me but because I, I mean, they, they helped me so much. I'm so grateful for that. But I think allowing people to help you is also a good thing because it also gives them the value and it recognizes that value that they have of helping others. So, um, and that's how you can also create connections and how you can create a story behind your connections. Um, so let's yeah. just fast forward from there then. So um, how many months did you did it take to be able to leave the wheelchair and be able to walk yeah so I actually um the first time I walked without a walking aid was less than a year ago actually it was in May end of May was the first time I walked out without a um uh, a wheelchair so what I did was in order to get out of the wheelchair I gave myself goals things that I really wanted to do so um, in February last year, my brother got married and I said to myself the first time, well, he, he proposed uh, about a year before then. And I said to him, I'm going to dance with you at your wedding. Oh, amazing. And, um, and that was a promise I did to him. And 
But to get to that point, I had to um, kind of hit different milestones, if, if you if you like. Um, and that's the way I did it. And when I talked to my therapist, that's the way I kind of saw it. And I said, okay, if I'm going to, to dance with my brother, granted, I, I didn't full salsa dance or anything like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just swaying, really. But um, if, I was, it was, if I was going to dance with my brother at that point, I needed to be able to stand at this point. And I, and I did really get quite a few of my therapies towards the, the end of that period to be able to have the strength to do that, to sway, to balance myself, to all of those different things. But before then, it was just being able to, to just stand. So just standing at, at certain points, it was just my, my legs were shaking the entire time. So, and uh, yeah, and I, I, that was kind of like, I was very determined that, that I wanted to do that. And I, um, when I make promises, I like to keep them. So uh, I made that promise and um, I was able to fulfill it. <laughs> I was able oh, Amazing. Um, and that must have been such an emotional time for the whole family. Uh, an amazing moment of achievement for you, but uh, uh, quite an emotional time for the whole family. So you, through this, you've, you, you've, your determination has got a channel, but you've also got um, a real appreciation of community, of collaboration. So that mind of yours was wanting to be able to find a way of giving back. And so you started work, you started to formulate an idea around a new sort of community, a new platform that could really help students. So was this born out of a need that you had to want to continue learning, but needed to learn via your phone and you couldn't necessarily go to, to lectures? Right. So this was actually born out of how I funded my recovery. So when all of this happened, um, it was very all of a sudden, really, because when uh, when it started, I was in my mind that summer of 2018, I was training to go back to, to university and play the last year of, of football. Um, and then everything changed then. Um, and with all of that, there were a lot of, and as I mentioned, the doctor said there was nothing they can do. So so I wasn't able to kind of get um, support from that part and I didn't have an insurance um, that could cover all the different things that were new. So um, what I had to do is I had to look for different paths. So I looked at alternative therapies. I looked at traction for my back that helped uh, a little bit. I looked at also changing all my diets in all very, very natural. Um, everything that I did was very much to see what could work for my recovery. And um, many of these things weren't always in Bournemouth. So to get to the different places, I had to have transportation. And now, as I mentioned, I was still in the wheelchair. So it was very difficult for me to, to use. And it was wheelchair past the pain of these different therapies. I wasn't able to stay in a train for two hours sat because it was in my bag, just could not have it. So I had to get transportation. Um, but there was other costs. So there were a lot of costs involved in my recovery and I couldn't finance it. Um, or at least not how you usually finance with your own money and all of that. So what I started doing was I started seeing what I did have and what I had were the skills that I, that I had developed throughout my years, whether it was languages, whether it was uh, my design skills, um, the different things that I could offer and see whether there was a potential uh, necessity or exchange of these skills in return for the therapies or the transportations and I did the proposal not um, I mean to my surprise they said yes 
but at the same time, I had some hope. That's why I, I proposed that I had some hope in that they would uh, agree. Just to, um, and I was very determined that I was going to um, find a way to to finance this recovery. And the but the medical professionals and the transportation people, they said, yeah, we'll do it for the exchange of what you're offering. And that's how I started doing more of like system of barter. And that's how I financed um, my my recovery really. Um, a couple of years after, I were a year and a half after that, I went back to university. I was still in the wheelchair, but I was still wanting to um, to get my my skills improved, to complement my skills, to help um, kind of um, find a way to present my 3D design because uh, in university we do industrial design, so to um, be able to present the same way, the best way. So my 3D products my 3D design skills weren't going to be enough for a presentation so I had to find 2D design skills and I talked to my friend and I asked him um, if I teach you 3D can you teach me 2D like to kind of do that same kind of exchange but at this time it wasn't a barter exchange it was an ex exchange of skills or exchange of knowledge and he turned around and he said no and I was like oh great <laughs> but no he then said um, uh, I, I don't want to learn 3D but I know you know Spanish can you teach you Spanish? And that's when I was like, well, yeah, I can teach you Spanish. And I realized that sometimes um, it's not just how you see things uh, or what can be of value for someone else, but sometimes that person is looking for something that um, you don't know yourself, you, you, you're not presenting yourself. Or um, So this is where all this, all of this really started kind of making me uh, see an opportunity and I wanted to research if there was a platform that does this sort of thing of that kind of exchange of skills in university students or exchange of skills in uh, in complementary skills nowadays we see that there's uh, a lot of competition with uh, the people that come out of university because um, you have the, the diplomas and many people have the diplomas and it's great education it's it, it's very very valuable However, now employers are also looking for transferable and hard and soft skills such as um, languages, such mm -hmm. as skills that complement your own skill or even skills that can kind of can say, okay, I've got leadership or even independence and discipline. And this can be shown by, I don't know, you learn a different, you learn an instrument that shows discipline because you need to practice, right? So all these different things that um, I wanted to, to see if there was a community that does all these different things. And um, I couldn't find a platform uh, like this. So if um, I can't find it, then there is an opportunity. And there was a necessity. I asked around quite a bit through my university kids if there was a necessity for it. And there is. And uh, I also researched. And that's that's what I'm trying to create at the moment. That's what I'm creating. So, it, so where are you up to now then? So you you've you've started. You've got obviously um, industrial design um, background from from your degree studies, um, and I, I've I've seen the look and the feel of the kind of beta of the platform, the, the development stage of the platform. It looks fantastic. The design is awesome. Um, so just explain what it is that you're building. Yeah, so I'm building a tutoring platform um, that really looks at the value of community and looks at all kinds of skills. It looks at uh, the value that you have as an individual. Uh, and even though it does reward you with a finance 
uh, financial resource, it does also reward you in that you can come in and learn without necessarily having to have that financial resource. So it enables you to create the financial resource yourself um, and giving, giving value to that knowledge that you have of whatever skill you have. And something else. And you do that, that with it with with the currency on on the app, so that if somebody wants to learn Spanish in this case, and 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 doesn't have the the funds to do pay, you know, paying pounds or dollars for it, they can earn some coins by teaching. I don't know, two uh, D um, design. Yeah, to give yeah. you your example. Yeah. So that that's that's the concept. It's the concept is allowing those people that don't have the financial resources to come in and give from their their knowledge and then be able to come back and say, okay, now I have the financial resources to support my learning. And it's really, it's giving accessibility um, to all kinds of backgrounds. Um, so it's giving accessibility to all kinds of knowledge as well in all different levels of skill, level, all different skill levels, whether it's basic to intermediate to advanced, uh, whatever skill level you have. Um, it's giving that value really and another thing that's also important is that as core of everything that's happening I think it's important as well to realize that there is an opportunity now with having connection uh, with a global access um, but at the same time this connection of the virtual world um, can sometimes create disconnect with the real world in a sense in quote-unquote real world <laughs> And um, what I want to also kind of put here into this platform is create different um, partnerships with organizations that help uh, environmentally, that help with education, that help in different aspects, so that there is a real sense of um, social and environmental consciousness in, um, in whoever is coming in to use the platform. Uh, that is something that is also showing that with little action or indirect action you can as a community collaboratively create a big impact and that is something that you will be able to see through this platform and that is very important and it's part of the core brilliant so the vision then is to create um a tutoring platform where students uh can find tutors whether they be you know, formal uh, people who have the profession of teaching that subject or informal than individuals say, I know, you know, I, I, I might know about body language, for example, and interpreting human behavior or sailing in my case or something like that, that I could share that knowledge or skill with somebody that would want to learn to sail with somebody um, who wants to learn uh, in return, I might want to learn Spanish from them. So I think that's fantastic. That, but and, and you create a currency on the site for that, and then um, you're then helping the plantation of trees for all of the all the people who are on the you know the platform, all the transactions that take place as a contribution towards plantation of trees around the world. Yeah, that's right. So that's something that, as I mentioned, the the user of the platform doesn't have to do anything extra. Uh, it's just something that we, by your interaction with the platform, it triggers us to be able to uh, enable that donation and to be able to help in so many ways, really. So where are you in this sort of development phase of the platform? Yeah, so we're quite close to finishing the development. However, um, we, need, we need more help, really. We need, uh, I mean, I've been trying to, um, kind of finance it as much as possible, but at the same time, um, we've gotten to the point that we need support. We need support to create this community 
it is a community because the app is nothing without the people within it. And it really is created by uh, all the values that come in around those people that come in and want to better themselves, but also help others better themselves. Um, and it just becomes a chain. So what specifically are you, you, you're looking for then? You're looking for some investors and also maybe some people to help you on the team? Yeah, so I'm looking for investors. I'm looking if there's people that um, find uh, or are fond of this idea and want to come in and be part of the team. I'm definitely open to all kinds of hands because, uh, as I mentioned, I know that uh, it is impossible to do everything, you know, it really is. And I think people, uh, it's important to give that value to those, uh, to that knowledge that they could have in, in their field. So I am looking for people to come in as well as um, I've got a good fund me on at the moment. And this is, this is something that was created to kind of touch on the human side of how all of this was created on not, um, not just about the platform, but um, something that really helped me in my recovery was seeing other people's inspirational stories and seeing the possibility and hope behind and above that, that each particular story, because it, it is all individual, but at the same time, there is a whole team behind all of that, that have helped each individual and that really inspired me to see, okay, there is a chance of me uh, being able to recover and that is something that I also want to kind of express and, and show in sort of the, the in, in the homeless way I guess because um, I, I I don't really know um, I didn't know at the time what was going to happen at the end but um, I was I was blessed to be able to recover uh, but throughout that whole process, um, I still have to do therapies every morning. I still have to strengthen myself and I still have to eat very healthy. I don't take any medication. I actually had a really bad reaction to it. And I went cold turkey for a whole month. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't uh, sweat. It was, it was great. So I don't take any medication, but I also need to take care of my body a lot. And there are people who, whatever they have going on is a lifelong thing. So I just want to also kind of, um, present, uh, I guess, uh, just a, um, a life story that, or well, my personal story, where there is a possibility that even throughout recovery, or even if you you have a long term thing, you can still create something that can be of value to others and that can help others whilst you still help yourself in your recovery. Fantastic! And if um, anybody wants to find out more of Alejandra's story uh, wants to help support the recovery and uh, the development. How do they do that? So we've got a, a bit.ly link for you. So it's recovery alley, uh, A-L-E for Ali. So recovery alley. So bit.ly forward slash recovery alley, A-L-E at the end. And if you want to find out more about the platform or find out more about you on LinkedIn, how do they do that? Um, yeah, so they can go to uh, GoFundMe and write Recovery Alley, um, and they can also go to the LinkedIn. I'm sorry, to the link uh, you've just mentioned. Uh, if they want to contact me, they can contact me to my LinkedIn. So Alejandra Carreño Garzón. Um, uh, I don't know if you're, so Alejandra. Oh, the details will be in the show notes. Yeah, um, as I mentioned, I'm originally from Colombia, so my name is uh, Spanish name um but uh but yeah and feel free to contact me on linkedin that's um i'm very open to any conversation um 
um, I'm also quite uh, easy easy to to talk about whatever it is, even if it's if it's about the the, the project that I'm working on or anything else that I can help with. Um, I'm happy to talk. And uh, are you prepared to let a sneaky peek at what the, the platform? So, if you want to have a look at the design and kind of where the the, the original website that's up there, there's a holding place. Uh, yeah, so it's www.mixter.com. So, mixter is spelled M E I X T E R. M E I X T E R, mixter.com. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, so this this is sort of uh, well the name. If you're wondering why it's called Meister, it comes from uh, the German Meister, which means master of or knowledgeable in something. And the X comes for the exchange of skills. So the S was replaced for an X for that exchange. Um, so that's that's really what the, the basis of it is. And um, and I'd be very very grateful for any support that can be given for this project because I think we can really create. Uh, together we can create uh, something that can be very beautiful and that can help so many people in so many parts of the world and also in the environment and other other things along the way as well as education and it, it can really be something that can be of value so yeah thank you thank you Alejandra for joining us on the business Man podcast and for sharing such a powerful and inspirational story that out of your own uh, experience of you know uh, injury and then illness and stroke to learning to move and walk again to getting the lessons of collaboration determination community and look at that resourcefulness and that need to help fund your recovery come upon a creation of an idea or a platform that I know will change lives will improve education across the world at a time when people just want to be able to pick up a smartphone and learn so they can be having greater value. So the ripple effect of what you're now doing, I'm sure is going to be significant both in people's future careers and contribution and also to the planet with the trees that you're planting. So thank you, Alejandra, for your time on the Business Mastermind podcast. Thank you so much, Gavin, for having me. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success, and create more impact. <laughs>